Hi, you're listening to the Tickled Ink Pod, a podcast about books and fandom. I'm Nabia, and my favorite Coldplay song is Lovers in Japan. I'm Diana, and my favorite Coldplay song is Life in Technicolor or Prospects March. I don't know. So we were saying we love the whole Viva La Vida album. Hard to pick. Hard to pick from that whole album. Yeah. Um, we are now in season two of our show, still ensconced in Leigh Bardugo's Grishaverse, and now covering Siege and Storm, book two of the original series. So please grab your book, your drink, and come sit with us as we delve into the Shadow Ball. Okay, so let's recap. Well, the last episode, you and I were together in person. Mm, I wish we were still... I know, that was just a week ago, and now you're back in Sabah. (laughs) (sighs) Back to this remote, long-distance relationship of ours. Yes, this LDR that we have going. (laughs) For like a decade now. We're the longest LDR I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) I know, me too. (laughs) Oh, Okay, so we started the book last week. Um... Very quickly, Alina and Mel were captured by the Darkling in Novi Zem, where they were posing as sort of regular people with a goita. Um, they, <laughs> they meet Sturmhond, a mercenary who owns the ship that the Darkling has commissioned to take them back to Ravka by way of Firda, because they are also trying to find the Sea Whip, the second mythical Morozova amplifier. Surprise, surprise, at the end of that series of chapters, they found it. And that's where we ended. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to be a bit ambitious and try and cover sort of a big chunky section of the book in tonight's episode so it might be a little bit longer than our very short episode from last week okay so we're gonna be covering chapter four to eight and in those four chapters it's like very actiony chapters like so much happens so they capture the sea whip um there's this whole bit where like the uh, Sturmhorn turns around and is a double agent and he like mutinies but al- although it's his ship so he like turns around and like goes behind Darkling's back and saves Alina and Mel and then Alina has to grapple with what to do with the sea whip is she gonna use it is she not gonna use it because they've already captured it and, and then, it's like on its last legs yeah poor magnificent exactly. creature it was dying I know. And she was like, you know, I didn't kill the stag the last time. Maybe it could be the same thing, but no. So she does kill the sea whip. Um, and then and then she, they, they fashion a fetter for her mm-hmm. from the scales. And then... And then Sturmhorn again changes things around. Like he says, I want you to meet my client. And then he takes them into the fold. Which is crazy. On his invention (laughs) of a ship that turned into a plane called the Hummingbird. Yeah, it's like a plane boat. Um, A seaplane. The plane, the plane. (laughs) A seaplane. So there's like so many like whiplashy things happening. So like when he mutinies against the Darkling, then it was like, then it was revealed that his whole crew were Grisha. Or half the crew. A lot of the, half the crew, like a lot of the crew were Grisha, actually. Yeah. And that's how he has the seaplane thing. He's using squalors to fill the sails yeah. with 
wind and like lifts them up and they go into the fold. And he's been working <laughs> with some great fabricators as well who have been sort of developing his ideas. Yeah, like his crazy inventions. He has so many. Mel loves it. Mel loves to talk about the weapons that yeah. he's created. Like against his better uh, judgment <laughs> or against his like initial want to like dislike Sturmhorn, they very quickly sort of get to bro mode. Exactly. Like they're very broy. It's cute. It's cute. Um and then and then once they reach they go through the fold and then they land and they're immediately found by the first army. Or they crash, more like. They crash. <laughs> yeah, they crash. <laughs> the whole ship breaks and then the first army finds them. They were like, What are you doing here? You're like, you know, trespassing or whatever. And then Sturmholm reveals that he's actually the prince. He's the second son of the king. Sobashka. Sobashka. Puppy. Puppy, the puppy. Yes, so there was a lot happening in these chapters. Let me, let me, what shall we dive into first? But first, let me read Sturmhorn's actual name and full title. <laughs> oh my god, I have it tabbed too. It's Thanks. so hilarious. I am Nikolai Lantsov, Major of the 22nd Regiment, Soldier of the King's Army, Grand Duke of Udova, and second son to His Most Royal Majesty, King Alexander III, ruler of the Double Eagle Throne. May his life and reign be long. <laughs> Alina's jaw dropped, and I'm like, yes, girl, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very long title. Uh, so the whole time he's been using kind of a different face. Like he has... <laughs> Taylor. He has a tailor. Oh, no, Tolia. Tolia doesn't want to be called that. He's like, I'm not a tailor. <laughs> was it Tolia or Tamar? Oh, it was Tolia. But that's hilarious. Oh, yeah, it was Tolia. I'm not a tailor. Tolia said angrily. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. So that's actually quite interesting, right? Because yeah. Tolia doesn't identify as a tailor. That's not his main sort of skill and manifestation of his power. He is a heart render. Um, yeah. And, and he, he prefers to use it for like the traditional heart render skills of making people's hearts stop. Um, but yet he has this skill to alter a person's appearance like Jenya. And this whole time mm. we thought Jenya was unique. Yeah, right? like one of a kind. But it, it's sad because... It, because it shows also, I guess, to me, as I was reading this, it also shows that Jenya actually had so much more potential to like yeah. really hone out a, a whole suite of skills, but she yeah. was just asked to like build this one skill. I mean, I feel like um, the Grisha on Sturmhorn's ship, they aren't pigeonholed. Like, yes. they're not in like very like set categories like in the Grisha army for example where it's like you know you're a heart render you do this you uh if you're a healer you do this so i mean those skills are within the realm of people who can you know who has an affinity with you know like tailoring or modifying life and death stuff yeah but they're only focused like they kind of specialize i guess like, it also just do that to me because earlier um in in an earlier chapter as they were escaping the darkling the squalors 
who were sort of putting the wind in the sails of their boat to get them away from the Darkling ship were asked to call on lightning by Sturmhorn. Yeah. And Alina yeah. was like, what? That's not allowed. Scholars aren't exactly. allowed to use lightning. And they did. Yeah. It was easy for them. It was like nothing. Like they do it all the time. Yeah. Which to me, is this like a criticism on the education system and how we sort of box and label people in just based mm-hmm. on what we want them to learn when there's actually so many things that they can do um, yeah. and build in, in based on their own sort of talents and, and mm-hmm. abilities, right? Outside of yeah. your curriculum. Exactly. Yeah, so it's really interesting, like the way Sturmhorn's leadership allows them to flex their mm. potential and grow in ways that they wouldn't have been able to do if they stayed, stayed in Ravka. Alina, I think towards the end of this set of chapters, um, you know, when they were spending time on the ship together, they're getting to know each other. She gets to observe the crew work um, and how the Grisha and the sailors work together so seamlessly. And also, mm. it was very important, sort of, it, it she actually called it out on page 99, I made a note um, where she got to observe Sturmhorn's sort of leadership and management style. Mm, yeah. And and she said, right, um, I'll read the passage, she said, and I had to admit, I liked Sturmhorn too. He was cocky and brash and always used 10 words when two would do, but I was impressed with the way he led his crew. He didn't bother with any of the tricks I'd seen the Darkling employ, Yet they followed him without hesitation. He had the respect, not their fear. And I really appreciate that, like sort of applying a, a corporate lens on it, which is, yeah. which is like our <laughs> world <laughs> or my world currently. Um, it's like good managers, right? Yeah. And it, it sort of shows as well how like corporate culture builds if you only know one type of manager, which has been the darkling for 300 years. Yeah. So you he created this like toxic culture of fear and people just having to obey him. And he also used or employed fear tactics to get Grisha to come and follow him because apparently he's the only one who can protect them. Whereas mm-hmm. there's this whole group of Grisha that we're now learning about who hid from the little palace examiners because they yeah. didn't want to go and serve the Darkling and the King. Mm-hmm. So they would rather live a life of constantly looking over their shoulders and moving from place to place and employing sort of different identities than sort of be in that army. And yeah. it also shows that this group that are loyal to Sturmhand really sort of flourish and grow and build their abilities and skills under his sort of encouraging and devil may care sort of like let's take all the risks and try something new and do something you've never been allowed to do in the past sort of management style yeah yeah i like his style and i mean i think also like his ship is sort of like a like the ideal utopian microcosm of how it would look like if Mm. grisha and normal people work together because on his ship it was beautiful like it's seamless everybody had a role to play and everybody does yeah like even the grisha do regular sort of sailor roles yeah exactly like you saw earlier on when they were crossing the unsea 
the Grisha mm-hmm. sort of just stand by. <laughs> and yeah. Or like in, in other roles, the Grisha don't get involved if it's not their job. They only lift their fingers if it's a Grisha task. Exactly. So it's, it's cool to see. And then they, they weren't like jockeying for position. They didn't feel superior, you know, like everybody feels like they belong and they had a role to play. Yeah. Which was cool. And him being like a prince, right? I'm like, is he, I'm wondering if this is his plan for the country. Yeah. Actually, I didn't think about Which that. would be nice if he could do that. Yeah, if that was his vision of sort of bringing the, the great experiment. Yes. <laughs> We've seen on Queen Charlotte. Uh, I love Queen Charlotte, the show. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, what was I going to say? There's also that juxtaposition of you saw how the Darkling always held himself apart from the Grisha. He... Mm-hmm never dined with them he had a room that was separate from them and only special people called in to come and people always sort of looked at him in awe and wonder and there was this air of mystery and fear around him whereas in this there's this one scene where Alina sort of trying to dig a bit more information from Tolia and Tamar about who um, Sturmhond is and you know, why they choose to follow him, they listen to his instructions, and then they're sort of just, like, non-committal, they don't really answer her, because they don't want to, I guess, like, reveal his secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sturmhorn comes up behind him, and he's like, you try telling that ox what to do. Um, yeah. And there's this sort of banter between him and his crew, and it almost yeah. gives off this vibe of, like, they choose to follow me, and I don't hold them here against their will. If they wanted to leave, they can leave and do whatever they want. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, just from a corporate perspective, I'm like, wow, that's great. It's good for Alina that she gets to observe different management styles so that she can also <laughs> apply them in her own future endeavors <laughs> instead of just what she knew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like she's learning, she's learning. She's looking at different styles. That's good. <laughs> okay, should we, back, should we go all the way back? All the way to, when should we go? Like to when to... they found the sea whip? Yeah, to maybe when everything starts going down. Because there's a lot of, like, sort of relationship dynamics mm-hmm. that sort of go down there as well with Jenya, yeah. Ivan. Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> Who you had hoped for, I don't know, like something. A redemption arc. <laughs> and then in the next chapter, uh, Ivan dies, so... Exactly. Lol, so I guess. When, when we were talking about that, Remember I told you I had read a chapter yes. ahead. So we were like, but yeah, Ivan like should have like a bigger role. I was like, uh-huh. Because <laughs> I knew he was dead like the next chapter. So I was just like, I don't, Ivan, I don't know what's going to happen to him. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Now I was wondering why you were like not participating in that conversation yeah I was just like I I don't know how to like I don't lie very well so I was just like hmm, what do I say just say nothing yeah yeah I so, laughed okay. to myself when Ivan dies I actually laughed out loud because of our recording session and I was like god damn it yeah. I I, I stuck my neck out for that one 
Ivan, though, he deserves to have gone. Goodbye. <laughs> Fine. Some guys are just bad. Yeah, the Darkling. I mean, he really... <laughs> There's this big thing, right? I, I guess talking about the Darkling and the developments in his character. So he's got the Nichevoya, his shadow nothings, as you call them. Mm-hmm. And he uses them and they're terrifying and they're strong. Like when they're fleeing from the whaler's ship, they're so far away from him, but he's sending the Nishavoya sort of towards them and, and it does sort of get to them, right? So they just need to speed away as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of when the squallers pull out the lightning tricks and all that stuff. But yeah. unlike regular Grisha power that feeds you, makes you more beautiful, makes you stronger, makes you healthy... The Nichevoya is draining the Darkling. Mm. It's it's actually sapping the power from him and he's weaker every time he uses them. Mm. And and that's sort of a huge development here as well. Because they also suspect that the reason they've been able to get so far without the Darkling catching up is because he's recovering. Mm. Yeah. So I guess to me it's it's it would be interesting to sort of see the developments of that and sort of really understand what it is that he's using to create these things and and mm. why it's having this different impact on him than when Grisha yeah. usually do things, right? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts so, around that? Well, I mean, the Darkling, he kind of... Other than his shadow nothings, which is a development in his power and how that relates to, as you say, like how it impacts him on a physical level. On a, like, otherwise he's just a, still a one-dimensional villain. Like, he's right now it's just like, okay, I don't see his plan anymore, especially once Sturmhorn's crew... Mm. Um, went against him, and now Alina has two out of the three uh, amplifiers, Morozova's amplifiers. And I'm not really sure what's his plan now. I mean, it's interesting to see, like, I'm curious to find out. Yeah. But it doesn't bode well for the Darkling, I would think. Yeah, because it's also, and I guess it would be interesting to see how his new power development, which also weakens him, eventually mm. sort of counters against Alina's natural power and additional amplifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now there's no balance. The fight yeah. isn't fair, really. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as we can see at this point. It doesn't seem to be a fair fight. Um, which, you know, there's like one and a half books left. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I would assume there's something like he's got something up his sleeve that would allow it to be a bit more exciting. Yeah, I would think so. And then next chapter, Darkling dies. No. <laughs> Damn it! That would be this, that would be like a did shock. you read ahead? <laughs> I was like, what? What happens now? Damn it. Every every guy I think has like a longer character journey just dies. What the hell? <laughs> it's like I thought Darkling was the the villain. Okay. There's a bigger villain. <laughs> okay, so then after that they they kill the sea whip. 
Well, Alina was struggling with this. This is her first intentional kill, right? Um, and actually, Mal helped her with that, like drive a harpoon into the sea whip and take its life. Yeah, because he's like, saints, Alina, just yeah. do it. Because this, this yeah, guy is like on his death Yeah, because Sturmhorn also says, like, I lost men for this. Like, is it going to be for nothing? Mm. Um, so she does, and then she... And then there's that whole section where she was debating using the sea whip scales mm. or not. Because she was saying, like, the, the stag's antlers were bestowed on her, and... Mm-hmm she could also choose to bestow the sea whip's power on, on another Grisha. Mm-hmm. Right. So sort of just yeah. expanding the theory of how amplifiers work and what we know of it. Yeah. And the whole thing about that philosophical question that she found in the Grisha book comes up again. Mm-hmm. What is infinite? The universe and the greed of men. And we see her kind of as she thinks about it more and now she wants it and she's like I, I want the I want the sea whip power. Yeah. And she didn't really internally debate this for very long. Yeah, it was not very long. She's I think um I feel it, like Sturmhorn nudged her towards it, right? And she was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I also feel like we get it from her perspective. Mal sort of had the stronger reaction to that decision of mm-hmm. hers, which gives us the doubt, right? It sort of plants the seed of doubt in us, the reader, um, mm-hmm. because it's like, why are you doing this, Alina? And yeah. she also pauses to think about it because she, in her mind, justifies it with, I'm not strong enough currently to take down the fold, but with two, I might be. And then she starts thinking to herself as well, is this how it all started with the Darkling, right? He had noble intentions Mm -hmm. to protect Grisha in the beginning, but then sort of took it way too far. And she sort of sees that, is this sort of my villain origin story? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And that's something I'm wondering too. Maybe she's the bigger villain. Yeah. Exactly. That would be that would be a plot twist I had never seen coming. Yeah. I mean, so that's that's sort of a recurring theme in mm-hmm. these books, I think, is around power and greed and the corruption of power, right? So that yeah. remember that quote by I don't know, some parliament British parliamentarian what absolute power yeah. corrupts absolutely. That's right. That's that's yeah. really sort of the big sort of cautionary tale that's happening here right yeah because she's i mean the only reason she knows that these three amplifiers can work together is because of that book the what is it called history sanctia or really maybe and, we should talk about the third amplifier mm-hmm. yeah so in that yeah. book yeah you, you can so in on. that book with sanct Ilya's illustration there was the stag, the sea whip, and another one, the firebird. Mm-hmm. And now she wants them all. Like, and she's in uncharted territory because we don't know what happened to Sankt Ilya. 
she made this decision before she had put on the second amplifier, right? Yeah. So we didn't and even know at this point if you can combine amplifiers. Yeah, but she had a feeling it would, like it would be, it would work. But we don't know what would happen, right? Mm-hmm. And Mel, as you said, was more concerned. He said, "Alina, how do we know what these things will do to you?" And she said, "We don't." And Mel's like, "But you want them anyway. The stag, the sea whip, the firebird." Mm-hmm. And here, like, and then there's another passage, and then she goes, "The hunger struck me suddenly. I want them. I thought mm-hmm. all that light, all that power. I want it all." And I think that was the when she said, "I want it all." I was like, "Oh, sounds very villainy," you know. Like mm-hmm. that, that is like the basis of a villain origin story. Exactly, this is where it begins. Yeah, and when she does get it and she tests it out, um, at first it was like it was too much, right? Yeah, it's when terrifying. She, first, she almost yeah. cooks everyone alive. Exactly, it's like. She doesn't know how to control. It's kind of like she makes the analogy to an animal that, she, like a wild animal, she can't tame. Mm. It's a very different spirit from the stag yeah. who had sort of bonded with her and succumbed his power to her. Yeah. Whereas this sea whip fought to the end. Right? Yeah. And has been yeah. wild and and free and doesn't live among other, like a herd, like the stag. Yeah. Did. Yeah, and she compares it. She said it was an animal, a creature of infinite fire that breathed with the stag's strength and the sea whip's wrath. So, like, the sea whip is, like, angry, as you said. It's, like, it's a different violent energy, I think. Yeah. This scene, because when she's testing out her power for the first time, it sort of gets away from her. Like, she fully intended to just pull light, but she also couldn't control it so she pulled up heat as well the heat yeah. of the sun and like i said earlier almost cooked everyone on board yeah. the ship yeah. and then mel sort of like comes and gives her a hug to try and bring her back to reality that scene to mm-hmm. me was so like uh wolverine and jean gray jean gray right yes. exactly i thought of that scene the whole time i was, I was like, like wasn't Jean Grey the phoenix? Yes. She's phoenix, right? That was when yeah. she was the phoenix. Exactly. And, and Wolverine was like regenerating as he's like Yeah, regenerating. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I remember that scene. I, it took me back to that scene in those movies too. Yeah, um, that was a pretty old one, right? X-Men? Yeah. Is it an X-Men movie? It was or an X-Men Wolverine? movie, I think. X-Men movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it took me back to that scene. It's very... It's that cinematic, like, it also takes me to that scene where um, Galadriel was thinking about if she had taken the ring, what would happen, and then she's like, terrible and powerful, you know, Yeah, that scary scene. (laughs) That scary scene, yes, when her hair was like blowing and she was like, all lighted up. (laughs) So I think we have enough sort of pop culture, literary references to know yeah. that these are all bad signs for what's coming for Alina's character development. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Mal so, is a very tenuous sort of grasp on humanity for her, but it seems to yeah. be her only connection, her only connection to humanity at this point. Yeah. 
But then she, so at the end of that, after she almost cooked everybody on the ship, <laughs> Mal asked, you're all right? He asked, his voice was rough. Yes, I replied, but that wasn't quite true. I felt the collar at my throat, the pressure of the fetter at my wrist. My other arm felt naked. I was incomplete. Mm. So like, so she still feels like it's not enough, even though this is more power than she's ever had. And yeah. Yeah, ever experienced. It's more power than anyone had ever experienced. Yes. Seeing, right? And you wonder, what what is her game plan? Like, she doesn't actually have a strategy here. She doesn't have a war plan of tearing down the fold. She doesn't know if this, with two amplifiers, she, she's already like, I mean, I think she's more powerful than the Darkling at this point. Yeah, and she could have certainly at least attempted Attempted to take down the fold yeah, once exactly. and see if yeah. it can be done. But if yeah. she failed, then okay, then okay, yeah, let's go. Let's go look for the third piece of yeah. the puzzle. But she just yeah. immediately goes into like collection mode. Yeah, exactly. It's like gotta catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, she's going into collection mode. She's just a collector at this point. Yeah, um, and I feel like she's forgotten. The bigger picture. What, what does she want all of these amplifiers for? It's it's so power and greed. Like I mentioned, is one of the big themes. Another mm-hmm. theme that I notice comes up again and again, um, in in this sort of set of chapters and the previous set is around sort of loyalty and what it means, um, as well as sort of linked with that patriotism, with links to Ravka. Because you get sort of when when she talks about um, when she makes a deal with Sturmhorn about mm-hmm. you know because Sturmhorn says I'll take you to go see my client in yeah. in Ravka and if you don't like it I'll take you away and she's like trying to really just make sure that he'll stick to his deal and he says something along the lines of Are you that eager to get away from your country? Um, mm-hmm. and it yeah. sort of harks back to what the Darkling had earlier said to her about how she had sort of left Ravka um, mm. without a thought, right? So there's this sort of conflict within her as well about how she feels about Ravka um, mm. and how she has abandoned Ravka and its people because she is their mm-hmm. saviour, right? She mm. is what they've been waiting for this whole time. But beyond sort of other people asking her about her loyalty to the country you don't really get that sense from alina herself like yeah like there's never sort of any deep patriotism that comes from her yeah she's not patriotic i would say like yeah um i mean so far i think all we know is her loyalty is to mal yeah and that's it that's it right yeah that's come up again and again in, in like the last book and mm-hmm. here. And now we're going to s- possibly see a shift in that as well because her, her sort of motivations start to change a little bit. Like what we just talked about, motivation yeah. for the collection of power and the growth of her power. Um, yeah. But before this, it was all just about being free. 
to live as she wants to with Mal. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So you see also themes of loyalty, um, loyalty to the Darkling that you see in Ivan who dies. <laughs> yeah. And also Jenya. And Jenya, un- unfortunately. Who's, who's struggling with it. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a bit at the end of um, chapter four, right? I think you were yeah. alluding to this in the previous episode where she was sort of hesitating about whether to run away with Alina or stay. Yeah. And in the end, she chose to stay because mm-hmm. the fear and loyalty to the Darkling sort of at that point was stronger than the fear of the unknown. Yeah, and I think it goes to what you were saying about how the Darkling controls his people with fear. Mm-hmm. And he's he's done such a good job that, like, Jenya thinks she's the only tailor in the yes. universe. And, yeah, she's fearful of the unknown. She doesn't know what's out there. Um, she would rather stay with the devil she knows, right? Yeah. So I think we'll see a lot of these, the interplay of loyalty, power, and greed mm. sort of continue to come up in this book and potentially yeah. the next there's going to be sort of different forms of loyalty as well. Loyalty to the Darkling, loyalty to Alina, to the King mm-hmm. and Crown, um, mm-hmm. to your beliefs, right? I think is the big one as well. And that yeah. sort of will probably be, at the end of the day, my prediction at least is what it will come down to for Alina in choosing whether she goes full villain or not. Is, <laughs> is it yeah. the chase of absolute power or loyalty to her values and her beliefs mm-hmm. of what is right and wrong. Yeah, sounds like it's going to be a great book. <laughs> <laughs> There's sort of mentions about the apparatus cult of the sun saint. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's been coming up as well. Like, there's whispers about it. Because apparently, is it him that started the rumor that she died and yeah. now she's resurrected as a saint? Yeah. So he started that rumor. <laughs> and he's building Sorry. a cult. He's, he had somehow escaped um, because he was sort of part of, he was privy to that coup, right, earlier? Yeah. Um, but he somehow was... he had escaped the palace yeah. and now, like, is building a cult <laughs> across Ravka. So what's happening back in Ravka? Do we know what's happening back in Ravka? Because no. the last time we left, um, there was that coup and that the Darkling was pushing the fold into new territories. Yeah. Is that still the case or is the Darkling still the man in power? Wait, so we don't know. Um, we don't know, right? Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, exactly. Who's in charge? Mm. who are, you know, in the eyes of the country, the good guys and the bad guys. We sort of Mm -hmm. don't know yet. We hear Mm -hmm. rumours through Alina's perspective. Um, So, like, the rumour about the Apparat Sun, Sun Saint cult. There's also rumours that the fold is continuing to grow. Yeah, because of the refugees that come out of there. Yeah. Who have fled. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I wonder. So, maybe because Jenya was our eyes into the court before in the previous book, 
So maybe Nikolai is now our eyes into what's going on in yeah. the court. Hopefully that's the case. I mean, I've I've read ahead a little bit, mm-hmm. but so we, we do start to see that. I think in, in the next episode, we'll cover what Ravka today looks like. Um, mm. But as of this point, definitely what we know is just, it's it's all sort of to come, right? We'll see. <laughs> Alina's going to see what's happening. But when they land, it is the first army that comes to sort yeah. of to sort of figure it out like like mm-hmm. what are they doing who are they so to me that also still shows that the first army is still in charge yeah um, i don't recall if it's in this set of chapters or it's a little bit ahead but they do mention as well that a lot of the grisha from the little palace went with the darkling mm-hmm. so it sounds like he's the bad guy um mm. And then there were a group of Grisha who had sought um, sort of the safety and protection of the king. Mm. So I remember that was mentioned somewhere. So so right now, and then there's also a big group of Grisha who sort of just like deserted the second army. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't know where they are. Um, so yeah, it will be actually quite interesting to see the social dynamic and, and conditions in Ravka yeah. once they cross into it. Mel and Alina's relationship will definitely get tested a lot in, mm. in this book. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we already see the first signs of it with Alina's you know, desire for power and Mel's hesitancy around that. Um, yeah. So, And I think, so in the first book, there was sort of... Alina especially was like very codependent on Mel and they were like just together all the time but I think this is the first time we sort of see Alina having desires of her own so even though she wants you know all three amplifiers and it sounds kind of greedy but it is her first time expressing a desire that is her own yeah that has nothing to do with anyone else like not even anything to do with saving the nation or you know saving the world it builds on where we sort of ended um book one with as well yeah her sort of loving her power yeah claiming her power claiming her power and sort of dreading giving it up so Mm -hmm. this is more of that right ultimately for alina will she choose yeah the man that she claims to love Mm -hmm. and sort of give up this chase for him or will she do what she wants to do and really just like test the limits of her power yeah and and we see mal outside of his protective soldier mode and you know he's bantering and broy um even when they were in novizem he had you know friends outside of alina and now on the ship he's like very like bro bro with like all the all the crew members and Sturmhan himself yeah there's the there's a comment right I think um, Tolia and Tamar or someone makes about how Mal seems to be enjoying himself um, yeah and and she's like you could drop him <laughs> among a group of Fyrdens and he'd come out on their shoulders <laughs> Yeah, like exactly. he's he's just a natural extrovert. 
yeah he makes friends everywhere he goes he's just naturally gifted at things yeah so people yeah. just like love him right mm. and maybe for him because we don't see it from his perspective but if you do put yourself sort of in Mel's shoes he's given up so much of his identity of what he loved to do as a tracker in the first army to mm-hmm. come and sort of save Alina and he became a deserter because he was saving her not because he didn't like what he was doing yeah um and and everything he's done since he sort of came back into play midway of last book has been for Alina and now he's yeah. starting to question who is this person mm, yeah right what what is driving her do i agree with what's with what she wants to do and mm-hmm. as much as he like mal is such a golden retriever um <laughs> like <so> literally <laughs> <laughs> right like so he's like this golden retriever character as much as he's there and he wants to like make sure Alina is safe and happy there is that bit of him that really is sort of grappling with the loss of identity and what it means for him as well and, yeah and i would like to see sort of as Alina is owning herself and her own desires i would also like to see Mal stick up for himself and do what's right for him right i mean they're teenagers yeah. Yeah, they're teenagers. We've seen relationships that teenagers have, <laughs> mm-hmm. where they sort of morph into what they think the other person wants them to become. But as yeah. an older lady, <laughs> I will tell you, people, Mal, Alina, you know, don't give up what your own dreams and desires yeah. for a relationship because then you'll just end up resenting each other. <laughs> exactly, and it's not you. You've morphed into. You're the other person. Yeah. That's not you. Like you are you. Your partner is themselves. Yeah, you and don't have change. to be each other. Yeah. yeah, people change, and sometimes you change in opposite directions. It's okay. Big <laughs> <laughs> sis advice. Big sis <laughs> advice to your adik adik. <laughs> but yeah, that would be interesting to see. Like if if. It, all comes to a head and Mel and Alina have opposite values or you know and it all come you know all comes down to a head in the future yeah i i would want to see that i would want to see that even though it'll hurt me cuz i don't think they're end game <laughs> <laughs> that's going to hurt me so bad they're boring you know <laughs> I've said this. They are, but I've they said this cute multiple times. <laughs> they're each other's first love, fine, but they're boring. They need to grow into their individual. They need people. to grow. Yeah, they need to grow first, <laughs> and then see what happens. Yeah, don't make such a commitment at such a young age. You know, like you don't exactly. You need to grow into your own people first. Yeah, you don't like yeah. buy the first <laughs> car you test drive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> Tell, telling this to my bestie who did marry her first love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, true. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. 
There were some tests. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. It's okay. He knows about them. Yeah, he knows about them. <laughs> Lol. And that's why I say, yeah, you have to. You give you yourself. You have to discover yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Take some time. You know, take a break. Exactly. Agree discover on the ground rules when you are on a break, but really discover. Yes. Because through interactions with other people, you yourself grow and you get to know more about what you actually want or don't want. Yeah. And it sort of takes away that question of, you know, what if, that wondering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then you can know for sure. Like, for this sure, is for my sure. choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> but what about Nikolai, though? Sermond Nikolai. I love him. I mean, he's so funny. He's hilarious, but he's also so freaking annoying. <laughs> he is so annoying because he just never answers the freaking question. <laughs> what she says about him, what um, he uses 10 words instead of two. Like, yeah. I know people like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? And Especially in irritating. like corporate... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so funny, but his banter is hilarious. He's got the bants, yeah. you know. He's got the bants. <laughs> I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find where, like, which part was like a good one. Oh yeah, yeah, there was one really good one. Oh man, I wish I tabbed it. I didn't have my tabs. Yeah, I think I I forgot to tab that. Oh here, it's when they were like. Asking him, why did you help us? Oh, yeah, and it's quite early goes, on. Yeah, Yeah. are you sure I have? Answer the question, Sturmhorn. Why hunt the sea whip if you only meant to turn it over to Alina? I wasn't hunting the sea whip. I was hunting you. And he just, like, he just never answers I the know. question. I know, he just evades everything. <laughs> it's like, and Alina gapes at him and he's, she's like, you betrayed the Darkling for money? <laughs> betrayed seems a strong word. I hardly know the fellow. He's like, okay. you're mad. <laughs> you're mad. I said, you know what he can do. No prize is worth that. And he just grins. He's like, that <laughs> remains to be seen. Yeah. And Mel, Mel was like, I can't decide if you're crazy or stupid. I have so many good qualities, it can be hard to choose. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and this goes on and she's like... um, so the uh, Sturmhorn shows her a book. Yeah, that she that he found in the cabin. <laughs> Alina and Sturmhorn get into a sort of pedantic conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Alina goes, "You stole it? Is this red book? You stole it?" Alina asks, and a number of other documents from his cabin. Although, again, since it was technically my cabin, I'm not sure you can call it theft. Technically, Alina observes in irritation, the cabin belongs to the whaling captain you stole the ship from. <laughs> Fair enough, admits it Sturmhorn. If this whole sun summoner thing doesn't work out, you might consider a career as a barrister. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to have the carping disposition. <laughs> oh, man. 
god, so, he's so funny. And sort of every scene that he's in, he totally just steals it. He's like, exactly. he's got the he's a steen, <laughs> scene stealer. <laughs> and then it's like, he continues to like evade. They have like a long ass conversation. Um, and then Mal goes, she, she turns to Mal, she's like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Uh, so the bit at the end where they crash and he sort of reveals he's got a different face and Mel and Alina are like what the hell what is this yeah Um, who are you and they get angry and when he reveals who he is um that also sort of was was hilarious and I think that's why we chose to end on chapter 8 because it just ends on because he goes it's been too long since I was home, but I did not return empty-handed. He stepped to the side and threw his arm out, gesturing to me, every face turned, waiting, expectant. Brothers, he said, I have brought the sun summoner back to Rafka. I couldn't help myself, this Alina. I hauled off and punched him in the face. <laughs> yeah. It was just perfect. Yeah. I love the because dynamic. Because he's just like, brothers, I brought the sun somewhere. Like, what the heck? Like, excuse you. <laughs> you brought us here under false pretenses. You've been evading all my questions. And now you're the freaking prince. What the <laughs> hell? So it's just, I mean, I am really enjoying the dynamic between Alina, Nikolai, Mal, Tolia, Tamar. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's really fun. Like, it, it's yeah, actually it's, just a really fun, fun time. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. But yeah, but now, um, but you don't know, you can't take Sturmhorn at his word. That's the thing. Like, he's the most unreliable narrator yeah. in this book currently. He's, you don't know yeah. what he's, he's the, up to. The two sly fox that Alina yeah. had dreamt of. Mm-hmm. Like, you just can't trust him. You have no idea what his motivations are. He's mm-hmm. got so many layers of personalities. It's yeah. like that Tropic Thunder, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> character. He's <laughs> just like feeling face after face after face. <laughs> he doesn't even know who he is, you know. And He's an onion. He's an <laughs> onion. He's got layers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that will be also, I think, for me... I hope will probably be one of the most enjoyable bits of this book is actually just fleshing out the Nikolai character. Yeah. I mean, now I'm now that I've learned more about Nikolai, how he is as a, you know, like his personality, I'm very excited to read his books, right? Like yes. the duology. I totally yeah, bought them. I went to, I went oh, yeah. to the bookstore over the weekend and, and bought the two because they've been out of stock Really? For ages, like okay. like they're com- always sold out. So when I mm-hmm. saw that they were on the shelves, I just grabbed, I just grabbed them. Mm, I saw them on the shelves. I should have grabbed them. Okay, next time. But yeah, like I want more of that, more Nikolai. Yeah, he's funny and sassy and sarcastic, and, and he's a prince, <laughs> and he's and lively, he's right? <laughs> and he's hot. He's yeah. Patty Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> he's everything. So yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. There was of course I think we can't close off this discussion without talking about what happened on the fold. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. 
Like, yes. so many things happened when they crossed the unsea. First of all, mm-hmm. it was a whole surprise. Like, oh, hey, we're going to the unsea. Alina yeah. and Mel at this point are like, what the F? And mm-hmm. then and then when they're there, the Volcra come and um, Sturmhond at this point um, is like, pull your power back because he wants yeah. to ambush them, right? So mm-hmm. she pulls the power back. Um, they go into darkness. And then just as everybody's gathering, all the Volcra are gathering around the ship, he asks her to sort of expand her power again so she sort of mm-hmm. traps the Volcra in the light and then at this point they fire their sort of crazy ass automatic <laughs> rifle machine guns yeah. whatever those things are and the Volcra just drop like flies mm-hmm. around them so that's mm-hmm. like one and then they're on this like adrenaline rush like Mal um, Mal Zermhan the crew they're on an adrenaline rush a high of having murdered yeah. the Volcra. They're barking, they're yipping, they're howling. <laughs> they're celebrating, but Alina yeah. is is shocked because as she enters the fold, she says something had changed. Yeah, it feels different. It feels different, like calls yeah. to like, because earlier yeah. she had been injured by the Nichevoya, mm-hmm. right? Mm. She has that scar that won't heal mm-hmm. from that wound that was inflicted on her by the Nichevoya and now and and I guess they never they haven't confirmed it but they sort of allude to it it sounds like there's a bit of the darkling's power this Mm. darkness in her yeah and so the sound of the Volcra is different to her she also remembers what Bagra had said about how the ancestors of the Volcra used to be humans Mm mm-hmm and yeah, it sounds like human cries and when screams they, when they scream. Yeah. yeah, that that bit where then after that high of the first attack, Sturmhorn says, um, says to Mal, "Can you track more?" Mm-hmm. And Mal, the idiot, just points, and Alina's yeah, like, like, "Just because you can doesn't that. mean you should." Exactly. He wants to though. He's he's like loving this automatic rifle that Stromhan had created and invented, right? Yeah. And also, he is First Army. He's also shown that at some level, he is superstitious against Grisha and Grisha power, Mm -hmm. right? The Volcra and the Fold sort of is the most physical and tangible manifestation of Grisha power in the Mm. world today. And... So for him, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm army. I'm first army, right? My job is to go and hunt and kill the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they follow Mal's tracking abilities to the shipwreck of the skiff from mm-hmm. the end of last book. Yeah, the one that she broke into and left everybody there. Yeah. But then, yeah. so she was glad to see that there were no dead bodies. Like, they'd clearly yeah. just been eaten by Volcra. Um, mm-hmm. But then she shone her light into the broken hull and saw... And to me, this was a terrible imagery because we're seeing it from Alina's eyes, who is starting yeah. to humanize the Volcra. Yeah. And she sees the broad backs of three adult Volcra protecting mm-hmm. 
baby Volcro. Babies. Yeah. Little arms, little wings. Yeah. Oh my god. The mewling cries. I <laughs> oh. I know. Like, I... I mean, yeah, I they're was... unnatural creatures, but they're still babies. They're babies. Yeah. I felt so bad. I... I don't know. I actually had to sort of close my book and sort of like sit sit myself down. Yeah. After this yeah. scene. It was so it was such a massacre. Yeah. Um, so so they just shot. And to Alina, she heard the cries of the echoes of human cries in the Volcrest yeah. She said it sounded like mothers mourning, the keening of mothers weeping for their babies, right? And they yeah. just I couldn't take that. I was like, why did you do this to me? It's it's sort of mirroring the Novokrebersk fold expansion scene mm-hmm. from when we saw the fold expand on human mothers and children. Yeah. Now we see the effect of humans entering the fold and having the power of the sun and also the power of new warfare technology, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of, you know, a very real sort of symbolism or expression of how humans are, right? Yeah. We have technology, mm-hmm. we have power over other beings and we don't mm-hmm. necessarily do the best. Yeah. So that that to me was very hard to read. Yeah, but that scene because that scene also like the Volcra were clearly just trying to protect their nest. Yeah. They weren't attacking. They were just shielding. They were, they were shielding their with their backs and their wings. Yeah, and then and then they threw a grenade in there. Yeah. And that's it. Everything died. So that was hard to read. Jeez. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, let's not dwell. It's too painful. And yeah. then as this is happening, the, the crew were howling and barking again. You know, mm-hmm. Mel joined in, raising his rifle. Alina was shaking. And nobody realizes the response that she's having. Because mm-hmm. um, she was thinking, she, she put us in that space, right? The air stank of charred flesh. Her lungs felt singed. Every breath seared her chest. Above the cheering, I could hear the Volcra's screams, helpless and human to my ears, the keening of mothers mourning their young, as you said. I closed my eyes, and she's like, enough, enough, I whispered. No one seemed to hear me. Please. And then suddenly... You've become quite the killer, Alina. And then the Darkling was standing right in front of her, on the hummingbird's deck. She gasped. She steps back. And then the Darkling's like, don't worry. It gets easier with time. Here, I'll show you. He slid a knife from the sleeve of his kefta and slashed towards my face. I threw up my hands to defend myself, a scream tearing loose from my throat. The light vanished. The ship was plunged into darkness. And and then you could hear the sounds of the Volcra coming. Mm-hmm. And and she can't she can't remove herself from that fear, the shock of seeing the Darkling right there in front of her. And and so she can't recover herself to sort of call the power back. And everybody on the ship is freaking out. They're like, the Volcra are coming. They're obviously now going to avenge what had happened. 
mm-hmm. just a minute ago, and and everybody's trying to escape the fold. There was like there was a squalor who got attacked. Yeah, she throws the light back up, but then it was too late, mm-hmm. and then oh yeah, and then they they make it out of the fold, and and that's when you know they crash. They crash. But yeah. in in that whole bit, then everybody's sort of like turning on her, the squalor. Yeah. The type makers, everybody's like turning on her and saying, what the hell was that? And mm-hmm. and she just lashed out. She's like, I wasn't the one who went hunting after Volcra. Yeah. And what I like here is that Sturmhorn immediately just owns up. Yeah. To, to he, like, the fact takes that accountability it was for it. Right? Yeah. He's like, she's right. I should have given her more warning and I shouldn't have gone after the nest. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I mean, like, to me, it was just like, can you not, Lee? Can you just, like, not lean into it, please? <laughs> no, no killing babies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that should be banned. No killing babies or children in fiction. I don't care if they're <laughs> monster babies. They're still babies, I know. man. They're still babies. They're innocent. Yeah, and they're humanoid, you know, like... Yeah. arms. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I can't. So do you think... Okay, so so we think that Alina is humanizing them because of her sort of like an affinity with the Nichiboya now that she got bitten and she's like maybe part shadow? Or is it because she knew of that story from Bagra? I don't know. I think... Yeah. I think that's something that we'll definitely figure out because they keep mentioning the throbbing wound from mm-hmm. the Nichivoya. So mm-hmm. I do feel that that's definitely going to come back into play in a big way. So it's, it must have somehow altered her in some way. Mm. Um, but there's definitely that story about Bagra. She brings it up again, right? Like, Yeah. So So I don't know. We'll see. But so much happened, right, in this yeah, four it chapters. Was only, it was only four chapters, but a lot happened. Very exciting. A lot of mm-hmm. character work was done. Sort of really building the suite of players in this game. Yeah. Um, and, and diving into the, the plot and, and the themes that we're going to uncover. What are some of your predictions for the rest of this book? I guess that Alina and Mal will probably have a fight of some sort um, and maybe go separate ways. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a whole... I don't know. I kind of want to have Alina explore the villain side of her. <laughs> <laughs> like yes. Even if she doesn't go full villain at yes. the end of it. like I kind of want her to explore the dark side. Mm-hmm. That's always yeah. fun and sexy. And she has a physical manifestation of a dark darkness in her right now. Yes. With so her wound. she has an excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's part Nichevoya now. <laughs> yeah. What's yours? Um, I definitely think there's gonna be a love triangle coming up mm-hmm. with uh Patty Gibson. <laughs> mm. <laughs> with Nikolai. Um because he's just too good a character, man. Like, I know. And he's a prince. <laughs> he's a prince. Like, come he's on. He's a hot prince who's yeah. like an inventor and has 
good leadership skills. Yeah, and flirtatious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's uh, my my prediction is that'll probably be a bit of a big theme. Um, the talk about the third amplifier, the firebird. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also sort of a throwaway sort of mention about how Alina doesn't know where she came from before Karamzin. Mm-hmm. Um, my prediction or um, completely out there theory right now has no basis whatsoever because they're trying to figure out based on that drawing where the firebird is it's like some arches or whatever mm-hmm. and then in that same sort of section of chapters Alina says I couldn't remember where I grew up I just had flashes of memory I have a mm-hmm. feeling the firebird is where Alina is originally yeah. from right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a big story of her finding and rediscovering her actual original roots of who she yeah. is. Because she's part Shu, part Rafkin. She's mm-hmm. Grisha. So really, who were her parents? She was an orphan, don't forget. So yeah. there's a whole lot of discovering that needs to be done. Yeah. I mean, um, she is still a mysterious character, right? Like yeah. her origin story. Like where did story. she come from, right? Just yeah. popped out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So there's um, probably that. I mean, those are sort of my two big what I hope to see. <laughs> Do you the think book? they will find the Firebird in this book? Because we're all, only in Chapter 8. They've got the Sea Whip. What are they going to do for the rest of the book, right? I don't know. You're right. I mean, maybe at the very end of the mm. book. Which seems yeah. to be a Lee Bardugo sort of thing. She loves ending chapters yeah. and books on major cliffhangers. So, mm-hmm. Okay, that's it. I think that's a natural end to tonight's episode thanks for listening and sticking with us this far we're on instagram at tickledingpod come slide into our dms with comments or questions or maybe to volunteer to be a guest on one of our future episodes if you enjoyed our podcast please do follow us on spotify or apple Podcasts. rate the show and share with your friends who are similarly into fantasy YA novels the grisha verse or hot fictional characters we haven't figured out our sort of exit tagline yeah, for this one, right? For this book. <laughs> for this we book. had meet, meet Us in the Meadow for the last one. Uh, so that we're was still a up strong in the one. air. Maybe yeah. we'll... I mean, we don't have that many active followers on our Instagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but maybe um, we're open to suggestions if you guys have any funny, punny ones. Um, yeah. Let us know. Thank you. Bye!